0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Beyond the Key. I'm your host, Kaylee, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in with us today. To give you a bit of a rundown, Beyond the Key is a music commentary podcast from the fanatic perspective, interviewing mega fans of artists each week and getting their take on the music that they love. I got this idea after realizing there are devoted music listeners all over the world, putting hours of love and passion into their favorite artists, and they deserve to be heard. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about the ways fans experience music and form special relationships with their musical idols. Our first episode is Folklore and Evermore Part 1, an interview with two mega Taylor Swift fans where we uncover the layers of Swift's two most recent records and explore how her work illuminates the world of her fans. Let's get into it. Cue the music. You're listening to Beyond the Key. Today, I am so excited to have two of my favorite people here to talk about our favorite artist, Taylor Swift, my dearest friends, Sophie and Syl, both of who I've known for what feels like a lifetime. Sophie, you and I met almost like 18 years ago now in our first grade classroom, and I'm just so grateful to know you. You're out in L.A. You're doing your thing. How's it going? What's going on?
1: I am doing very well. I'm feeling in the perfect mood for this convo. I just watched Pride and Prejudice for the first time, so feeling very much like I'm in a long, flowing dress, living in the 1800s, which I feel like is perfect for this subject matter. So very happy to be talking to the two of you, icons, about the largest icon of our lifetime.
0: Yes, Taylor Swift, (laughs) the, the largest icon of our lifetime. So how are you doing? what's going on. I've known you for probably eight, eight, seven years. I was probably like a sophomore in high school or so, right? Something oh around then.
2: Gosh, so. Are we really that old where it's eight years? Now? I feel like <laughs> high school was like yesterday. I can't believe that was eight years ago. <laughs> That's
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, for me, freshman year was eight years ago which is absolutely upsetting
1: um that's really rude
2: yeah that just proves that time time is not real it, it is, is not, not real anymore. it's just um i'm feeling good i i'm also like you sophie i feel like my preparation for this this podcast was very Taylor or like current Taylor because I, I got like a tarot and crystal set and I've been doing witchcraft and Ooh. now all of a sudden Taylor, I feel like is giving us those witchy vibes too. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the ever more witchy spirit.
0: I'm loving that. I'm loving yeah. that. And there's nobody to the audience. I, you need to know there's nobody I'd rather talk to. Um, than these two wonderful humans about Taylor Swift, were are always texting anyway about Taylor Swift, um, and you can only imagine the group <laughs> chat when Evermore came out and, uh, but the absolute insanity was—I think I woke up to like six missed calls from Sill that morning, um, <laughs> and it was just—it was outrageous. And so, yeah, we're here basically just to talk about Folklore and Evermore and how they came to be and what that kind of has instilled in us in a time of such uncertainty and, um, being in 2020 in a pandemic and having Taylor Swift release two of probably the best records of her career, um, thus far and breaking records and, um, breaking hearts along the way. She has just been so incredible. Um, so folklore came out in July, um, July 24th, and it was a surprise record as we know. Um, do either of you remember the moment where folklore came out and you were like, "Oh my gosh, holy shit, th- this is happening." What were you feeling at the time?
1: I I was shocked. Um just like when evermore came out, um but I mean it was the first time so it was much more much more breathtaking, I guess. Like I I don't know. I was, like, a little bit nervous. I remember seeing some of the titles and being, like, I don't know. Like, I hate that I was a skeptic and didn't just, like, trust. In my heart, I knew it was going to be, like, incredible. But I think, you know, it was it was a bad time in July. I must say, like, um, I had to leave school in L.A. and go back to um, Pennsylvania in, like, at the end of March. So by the time it was July, I'd been at home, and I was, like <laughs> – so bummed and you know everyone was in a really hard place in that time and so I think I just had like a really weird like pessimistic attitude about it for a sec um and yeah just I remember seeing some of the track lists like I thought that the last great American dynasty was going to be like political or something and I just saw cardigan and I was like I don't know like what is this um but then when it did come out I was (laughs) lying in my bed lights off, like, AirPods in, and I just couldn't... I don't know. I feel like I didn't even process it until the second listen because I was like, what? This is so different. This is so special. It's also, like... I And I get this feeling every time a Taylor Swift album comes out, like, how does she know the things that I'm thinking about right now, what I'm going through, what I need to hear in a song? So... Yeah, it was a it, it really kind of turned my summer around. Like it kind of turned my <laughs> life around for the moment and gave me something to like it was like a tool to like reflect on the past few really hard months and like my whole life especially being at home listening to it and like walking around and just, you know, walking by houses and remembering things. It's such a nostalgic album, so I really think of home when I think of folklore.
0: I love that. And I love that you mentioned that you were nervous because I also remember reading the track list and not feeling super pumped. I I don't know what it was. I had sort of like this uh, pre-reputation feeling where Mm. I was in the moment and I was nervous. And I think when you care so much about a human who's creating art you know, selfishly for you in a certain way, you just want it to be good so bad that you're like kind of hanging on the edge, right? Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I felt very similarly. So did you feel that way too? Were you like super apprehensive? I,
2: I wasn't just so excited. I was not apprehensive at all. That's so funny. I like, (laughs) I was with so I went to Maine for the first time ever. I was in Acadia because my girlfriend and her family like got a house for two weeks and it was going to be her birthday and like we just I saw the news first and I was like oh my god this is so <laughs> and Kiva my girlfriend was like what oh my god oh my god so like we made a plan to like go to this pond and listen to it with like two sets of airpods and we were going to play it at the same time and go on this beautiful walk And I don't know, maybe it would have been different if I was, like, at home by myself feeling, um, you know, chained to the nostalgia and the, you know, the chaos of being at home um, during that time. But I I was one of the luckier ones. I ended up being with, like, people that really, um, you know, kind of brightened that time in the world a little bit. So it was just pure joy, pure excitement and I think that energy that I brought to it made me all the more receptive to it because I was just so excited and ecstatic for every single song. And and it just made me love the album so much from the very first time I heard it.
0: Yeah. And so I remember you telling me a story about you listening to Folklore the first time and that park that you were at. Um, and how you guys were walking around. Can you tell me about that? Because I just love how perfectly it fits with the
2: aura of the record. My girlfriend and I made this plan. We're going to go to this pond, um, and it's just like a big loop around this big pond, and it takes you through trails and meadows and the forest, and there's like mountains beyond the pond, and it's just like the most beautifully scenic place ever. Um, But we got there. We didn't have service. So we couldn't listen to the album because neither of us had downloaded <laughs> it. <laughs> so oh, we were no. like, what do we do? Because it was like a 25-minute drive from where we were staying. So we were like, we can't go back. So by intuition, I dro- I just started driving my car through random streets. We had no idea where we were. And we found a library. And the library was closed, but on the door of the library was the Wi-Fi password in case anyone what? needed it for emergencies. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is meant to be. So like I quickly downloaded it and I got in the car. We drove to the to the pond. And when we started our walk, we hit play. We had this beautiful, magical, scenic experience listening to this folklore album that's all about you know kind of fantasy in the woods and that's the vibe and we were completely just engulfed in that with the trees and then we finished our walk and the last chord of hoax which is the last song in the album like finished right when we got to the car like it was a perfect perfectly timed serendipitous experience it was just magic and that's taylor that was taylor (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was her. I think she planted
0: that in your life, particularly Mm -hmm. so you could have that experience. That sounds almost too, like, catered to the record. Like, (sighs) there's just no way that wasn't somehow universal and, like, purposeful to you specifically. I don't know. That just, that's such a beautiful experience. I love hearing that story. Absolutely, Um, yes. I love that. But, yeah, so, I mean, this folklore comes out. We're all freaking out. It gets released. I'm going crazy <laughs> um, I'm, I I am at an absolute loss for words particularly as somebody who is a huge fan of Bonnie Vare, who's mm-hmm. a huge fan um, of Aaron Desner from the National and I'm seeing this record play out where in personally my dream is coming true because Taylor Swift my favorite artist, to ever exist is creating a record, particularly catered to my taste. And I think a lot of people felt that way where she was really seeping in to what people I think have always kind of wanted from her, which is this, you know, quiet, kind of, you know, indie, um, smooth, beautiful love story and heartbreaking stories. Um, And that's kind of how I felt where I was just like, oh my God, she's created what I've been waiting for. And maybe I didn't even know I was waiting for it, right? Maybe I didn't know that um, this record would ever exist. This perfect record, in my opinion, um, is just so flawless from beginning to end. Um, I want to kind of hear your thoughts on whether, you know, this record was everything you could have imagined it would be, Did it startle you that Taylor Swift went into this indie scene kind of um, right after Lover, which was very poppy and very um, airy and fun and upbeat? And then we get to folklore and we're with, you know, Justin Vernon from Bon Iver. I mean, that's a very quick swing. Um, The pendulum is definitely swinging the opposite direction. Like, how did that feel like so, at least for you? Like, what did that feel like?
1: I definitely remember having the distinct thought like, oh, she's found her sound. Like she's tried on a lot of different hats and and worn them marvelously and has done country, has done pop, has done, you know, has blended genres. Um, But this was like, oh, she settled into something really like honest and very much her own here. And I think I think like before what I was saying about that apprehension is. I I think as Taylor Swift fans, like, we expect backlash all the time, <laughs> like, and when things are going well for her, like, I, it almost makes me worried that someone's going to do something to try to bring her down again, because that's just really become, like, how the mainstream media, like, projects her and, and treats her, and it's, so I think it, that's like a, a, a part of why that fear was there, but it all really went away when I heard this. Cause I knew like no one's, no one's going to be able to say shit about this. Like, this is incredible. This is really, I, it made me think about in um, Miss Americana when she finds out that she didn't get any nominations for the Grammys for a reputation. And she's like, I'm just going to make a better album. And then she makes lover, which is incredible, but it was also made with the mindset of, like, I'm going to make a, you know, a better, more commercially successful album than Reputation, and there was just such a unique circumstance this time in the world, in her own creative universe, where, you know, I think she said, she didn't even tell her label she was working on this for a really long time, and it shows, because this is just her talent speaking for itself, really, it's like, I'm not trying to, prove anything to anyone I'm just putting my heart and soul into this and so I think I don't know it was kind of like a relief or like a release hearing this um and just knowing like uh, she's gonna be fine forever and and I hope that this has taken a weight off of her shoulders of thinking she has to write about her life so personally and truthfully or she has to make you know something that's gonna be a, a typical like pop hit on the radio or something, you know, you can put in like the trolls movie or whatever. Like, so I think, I don't know, I just felt like her heart has been like really set free with this, with this music and with this time in her life. And it really just, it was just a big sense of comfort.
0: So, Sophie, you touched on a super interesting point about how, you know, folklore at Folklore, Taylor was finally able to you know pull from other people's experiences and take different narratives and make them her own and make a record that's a lot less autobiographical but still just as intentional and thoughtful and um still just as much resonating with her audiences um and so I know you and I've talked a lot about that you know glorious triad of August and um Betty and Cardigan and that kind of fictional storyline she created within folklore. Um, so what do you kind of have, what are your thought process on this, her ability to kind of, uh, you know, take these narratives and make them her own and make them feel unique to her, but also universal to her, her audience?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that drew me to her music in the first place. You know, I hearing songs like Love Story and Speak Now and kind of you know you know you you hear this 17 year old girl sing about marriage you know that that's not actually her story but it's still really impressive that she can write songs and access these stories and these narratives um from just how she's observed the world and how this comes through in folklore is so genius and i was recently showing my mom songs from evermore and she was like, yeah, I totally got this from this. And I was like, yeah, but I got this. And you can also get this from it. And it's really cool to see how she's, you know, making songs that can be about everything. And I know in the long pond session, she talks specifically about peace and how peace is like, it can be about one thing, but it can also be about like a bunch of other kind of umbrella things Um And then so then you have these triad stories, the stories that kind of echo each other and have conversations with each other and characters that have relationships with each other. And it just makes it accessible to to everyone, you know, if you want to listen to the to the record to get an interesting perspective on a story um, between three separate characters, or if you just want to listen to it and have it resonate with how your life is going and how you see yourself in it or how you view Taylor in it. It's just, it's beautiful. It's, I, it's flawless. It's a flawless album. I'll say it.
0: (laughs) I'll say it as you should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I just, I mean, even one of the songs on the record, one of my favorites, um, this is me trying pulls from a lot of different experiences and she talks a lot about that in long pond sessions of how that was one of the songs originally she had planned to kind of pull from those you know her um, her dreams about dreams not necessarily positively but kind of her thoughts about what other people may be experiencing people who'd be listening to her music. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, trying hard to be perfect in school, she talks a lot about that, right? Or um, having a divorce, and you hear those themes, definitely being seeped into evermore as well. Um, And I just love that. And I I just, I I feel like that's kind of when she does her best work, when she's not only a um, speaker, but that she's a listener, right? Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, she's listening to all of us. She's you know, the famous, uh, Taylor tail lurking where she, um, is on Tumblr and Instagram and Twitter, you know, reading fans, um, whether it's theories or what the songs meant to them. Um, but it's deeper than that. You know, I think she's, she's a big empath and I think she's really digging in, um, her heels into other people's narratives. And I think that's super special. Um, and i just i really love that about her are there any other songs that kind of make you feel that way um so like are there songs on the on folklore that are like you know that it meant, could have meant this but to you it means this like are you know i feel like there's so many different little nuances there
1: mm, yeah i well after the long pond session too i got so many new things from like when she talked about mirrorball it wasn't like super far off from my impression of it, but her talking about like celebrity and we like to watch things that are shattered because then they shine more. And we, you know, like her kind of take on how the public likes to tear down its shiniest, you know, the winners it's it, that really gave me an entirely new way of thinking about that song. But when you were talking about, this is me trying like that one, really hit home for me on first listen. I, and I was just thinking about my own like social anxiety at, at college. Like it was a couple months after I had come home um, because of COVID and everything. And I was just, I had so many regrets about not hanging out with people or not being present in the moment because I felt anxious about it or I felt like people didn't want me there. And I just remember the lyric i didn't know if you'd care if i came back i have a lot of regrets about that just like mm. really hey i was like oh my god like now i can't see anybody and i'm at home and i was just like so nervous for no reason around these people and like that just it felt like <laughs> she took the words out of my mouth and you know the whole that song itself can mean so many things um yeah I, there are so many on this on folklore that feel so deeply personal, and I'm like, how? (laughs) Literally, how could you ever know that about me? But Cardigan 2 is really one that just hits home and just feels like such a specific like girl were you spying on me when this happened like (laughs)
0: cardigan yeah
1: yeah it's just it's so crazy and the fact that that can be real for so many people and be such a universal feeling among fans of Taylor Swift and even among people who wouldn't consider themselves fans but who when they really listen like you know you can't help but just feel that and and to connect these things in your mind Folklore really – folklore specifically for me really does that. And I think Evermore Evermore does as well, but I think it, it kind of, like, has a broader – I don't know, has more, like, subjects that it pulls from, whereas folklore just felt like this concise, like, <laughs> just – Attack, but like a good attack. I don't know. Like, like, look at this. Remember this. Feel this, and like see it in this new light and in this new framework that I, Miss Taylor, Allison Swift, have created for you to process your emotions. It is.
0: It is kind of a time, a a, you know, snapshot in time, sort of, isn't it? I mean, folklore. When I listen to it as well, feels like it's. It can elicit so many different emotions and take you so many places. But in the same way, it, it's really one experience. Um, mm. They're all so interconnected, and you're feeling that same—at least for me—like this gut wrenching. Just like, how do you, how do you put this feeling into words? The way you are. I mean, still, and I talk about this feeling all the time. Of like, I wish I wrote this song. I mm. wish I wrote that lyric. How, how did, how did she possibly come up with this? Cardigan for me is a huge one. It's like mm. the, you know, especially. Um, you know, like leaving like a father running like water, like that, that kind of post bridge. That it's just those moments she has, and she has those spotlight moments in every song where you're okay. just like hit after hit after hit. It's 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 super incredible and special. Um what other songs kind of stand out to you, Sil? I know you have a long list of favorites. I I just need
2: to hear some. Hoax is definitely like a I wish I wrote this, like how like don't want no other shade of blue but you no other sadness in the world will do like this perfectly captures the kind of paradox of love and and I just think that it's a brilliant song um I think I'm so blown away I'm I'm really glad that she released um the long pond studio session and it really made me think about how she's been so restricted and I know you've you mentioned this before Kaylee about her wanting the opinions of others and kind of directing her music to get that approval and to you know so it transfers well to a stadium so it transfers well to radio or you can put it in like you said a a troll song Sophie or a troll's movie (laughs) um like this was the first album where she was not chained to that. Like she literally could just make anything she wanted because there was no pressure of, of doing a a tour because the world was going through the apocalypse. So there was nothing certain. And I think, you know, it's when, when that kind of stuff happens, you have to, and she said it herself, you have to recalibrate by beginning with the things that you love. Yeah. Um, And every single song is just so so intimate. And so it's meant to just be listened to and experienced kind of personally. Um, and that is so special on a, on a record. That
0: I really love that idea of this is her first record where she really didn't need to prove anything because there was nothing that she needed to prove. I mean, making a record so that it sells out stadiums is such a huge amount of pressure on an artist. I mean, you have to have those songs that, you know, hit the bass hard enough that people want to dance. And you have to create a certain imagery that is exciting for lights and special effects, especially when you're selling out thirty thousand people stadiums. Um and for this, she had like you said, she had none of that. She had none of that um that pressure even who cares if there's a single on the radio who cares if um, I'm selling out tickets I I just want to make a record and if I'm my most naked and authentic self what is that going to come out and what came out is absolute perfection I mean what came out was her most authentic work and I think that she won't leave this place in my opinion I, I really I think she's found her home in her in her music um In her music in general, I think she's found her spot where she feels best and she feels healthiest and where she feels her most creative. I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but as a listener, do I feel this is the most her from what I've known? Of course, at least in a long time. I think she refound herself. And I think she's saying that in the record a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mirrorball, Sophie, the song you mentioned, which I just don't think gets enough credit. The idea of that song is... So encapsulating. And it's funny you say that, Soph, about how you had a different interpretation of it than what she had said on long ponds. Because I also did.
2: I also did too. I was totally –
0: and I want to hear all of your thoughts on it because I was originally thinking that it was she's the mirror ball and as much as people are looking to her as this shiny thing, she's also reflective of all the people around her and so she's constantly changing to everyone who's looking at her because it's a mirror so she's kind of constantly changing and reflecting her environment and I I was kind of seeing it as like she's everything but she's nothing because depending on where you put a mirror ball in a room it changes right Mm
2: -hmm. and so
0: that's kind of how I was seeing of like her kind of speaking to this idea of the industry and how she's trying to you know mold herself into this you know perfect type of person um but at the same time it you know it reflects back on her um did you guys have similar interpretations like still I know you said you had a different one too like what was your, what was yours
2: i mean pretty much exactly what you said i i took that away um yeah just this idea of kind of like making herself into anything um, for the sake of the industry and for other people and for the approval of others. Um, yeah. Which I guess that is kind of what she was saying in the song and what she said in Long Pond. Yeah. She was alluding to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I would say she definitely was alluding to it. I think she took more of a, like, more universal approach to explaining it. Um, or maybe she just, you know, maybe explained it a little bit more nuanced in the way that we can. Um, but I definitely remember watching the documentary and being like, huh, that's interesting. I never thought of it like that
2: before. Yeah, I feel like she made it more about the circumstance of COVID
0: yeah, than I exactly. took away. From it. Exactly. That was the difference. I think she was talking about her literal time in the pandemic and how she was struggling in that sense. And I I kind of saw it as more of like an encapsulation of the last, you know, like 15 years of her career. Yeah. For sure. Sophie, was that your interpretation as well?
1: Yeah, I definitely I I loved her explanation for it. And I think I think a lot of it was what what we're saying and what our first impressions were as well as the other kind of interesting stories that she like, wove throughout them, but I think when I listened to Mirrorball, I, it just made me think of, like, you know, the difference between fitting in with a group of people and feeling like you belong in a group Mm -hmm. of people, and especially, you know, the part, you're not, like, the regulars, the masquerade revelers, drunk as they watch my Shattered Edges glisten, like, you're not someone I have to pretend around, and I really kind of see it as, sort of a love a love song is someone who is so exhausted from being who they think that they should be and trying to kind of meet everybody on their level and she talks a lot about how you know you're kind of you're different around different people and sometimes one can do that to an unhealthy extent that and you know she's made it no secret that she is a people pleaser that she wants you know a, a big part of her identity you know, as much as she works on it is pleasing people, seeming like a good girl, a good person. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way oh, That way, and a lot of women feel that way. Um, so, yeah, I definitely saw it as a kind of exhausted but beautiful, you know, I can be anything you want and I, you know, I'll try anything to keep you laughing at me, to keep you looking at me. But secretly, I'm really tired of doing this, and I wish that I didn't have to, you know, pretend so much or reflect so much of you, and that I could, you know, be me and just feel like I belong. Um, So, yeah, I sort of, I liked the element of, like, stardom that she added into it, and even the pandemic element of, you know, they um, burned the disco down, sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns, but I'm still on that tight rope i'm still trying everything so i think yeah that's one that's definitely about a multitude of things but kind of ties together super seamlessly
0: yeah i agree i it's definitely one of the songs where that had to marinate with me a bit that song um, at first i was like i would love to dance to the song at a wedding like this song i want to like spin around and you know it's like kind of um Starlight from Red for me, yes. where it's like it's so yeah. fun. And then I like started reading the lyrics, and I was like, "Holy shit! I mean, this is really deep. This may be one of her most vulnerable mm-hmm. songs on the record." Um, and I kind of want to ask you guys if you had, and I know this is hard. I know you both are mm-hmm. gonna push me on it, but you gotta do it. That okay? So mm-hmm. my question is, if you had like this machine and what, you put your DNA in, you put your fingerprint in, and one folklore song comes out as like you, like a perfect encapsulation of who you feel you are or what you feel resonates with you the most or maybe even one that you just love so much. What song on folklore would it be? If you want me to go first, I can. To <laughs> give you guys just a brief second to think about it.
1: Um, I think I need you to go first, Kaylee. <laughs> okay.
0: my My first would probably be... I think my song would be Exile. Ooh. And I think that's because the idea in Exile of, you know, um, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. To me, I think I've lived a lot of my life where you see a lot of, you know, whether it's a pop culture reference on television or you see your parents go through something or – you hear of this, you know, when you get to this age, this happens or your first heartbreak, you know, you hear of all these like tales of, you know, moments in your life that will happen to you as you grow up that you just have to be prepared for. Um, that's kind of how this song makes me feel of like something not so great happening to you that you feel oh my God, I've I've heard about this. I've seen this happen and in a different way. And I didn't like the way this ended. I I don't want this for myself. Um, it's a very scary anxiety riddening feeling. And I think that's, that really resonates with who I am as a person and just of, you know, kind of overthinking and overanalyzing, um, and having these experiences that feel so kind of almost out of body, um, and almost like spiritual of like I'm watching something happen that I've heard about so many times and mm. it, you know, it, it hurts. Um, mm. and I think that song kind of just for me resonates one where I would totally write a song like that. Um, and two, I've definitely spoken about an experience in that way, the way that they write it, um, uh, of, you know, I've, I've heard about this and I don't want to be in this situation, you know? Uh So, yeah, I think for me, definitely Exile. Um, Sophie, you got one for me?
1: Mm, Yeah, and I need you to know I I had a million different answers in the span of the time you've asked the question. But I think I've settled on right now at this point in my life, I'd probably say seven. Um, I think I'm really at a point where I'm wanting to connect with like childlike wonder And just sort of the root of, like, who I am. Um, And I really just connected so much about this song. And it gives me such, like, vivid, insane memories of of my childhood. But, like, mixed with, like, stuff that's not real. Because I'm, like, inventing it as I listen to the song. But it really just... I mean, especially she shouts out Pennsylvania. So that makes me like, hey, this is for me. Um, But please picture me... um, before I learned civility, I used to scream ferociously anytime I wanted like I think I was such an like an emotional child um, that once I was able to be self aware I was very embarrassed about that and I tried to make myself a lot smaller and kind of shut down and hearing those lyrics of like, no picture me when I would just scream and lose my shit in the supermarket for no reason, because I felt like I needed to do that. Or, you know, when I was crying and I didn't know why. And I think there's something really beautiful about wanting to reconnect with that part of yourself, the deepest, like most vulnerable part. And that song feels incredibly personal and and nostalgic for me. So probably that one at this point.
0: I love that. I mean, as you know three Pennsylvania born and raised (laughs) folks here seven definitely strikes a certain core doesn't it I mean Mm -hmm. you know being on that swing and having those moments and you know being an adult and just wanting to channel that childhood energy and you know just let me be a kid for a minute let me just Mm -hmm. let loose and feel all of my feelings and not have to censor myself for anybody or anything I mean that really resonates. Sophie, I think that was a great choice. I'm, I am I, put a stamp of approval on that one. Um, oh, thank you.
2: So you're up next. What is it? I'm so curious. Oh, you know which one I'm going to pick, Katie. It's
0: <laughs> I, I want to guess, but I'm not going to guess. You have to tell me.
2: Well, obviously, you know that I just adore the song Peace. Yes, um yes. And when I first heard that song, it was very emotional because and I'm sure we've all experienced this when listening to Taylor Swift of like, no no no, like even though Taylor has never met me before, like this she wrote <laughs> it for me. Like yeah, she, this met, it. Totally she met me there. Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um that's that's what I I got from that song. And to get a little more like deeper and vulnerable about it, um like up until that I had heard that song. You know, I'm I was in a, I'm in a relationship still with the same person, and we had been together for a while up until that point. And she had seen me through probably the worst of my depression, my eating disorder. I had just come out as trans non-binary. I was socially transitioning, and it was just, like, this period of time where I felt just so unlovable. Like, I don't even know how else to say it. Like, I just was like, how could – like, how could anyone – like love me right now, and I'm just like such a mess of a person and and literally all of her lyrics are like the rain is always gonna come with me and and i I have this fear you know, struggling with with the the stuff that I do struggle with is like I have my good months and I have my good years, but then like I never know when i'm gonna hit hit a dip, and I never know how that's going to affect the people around me um yeah. And it was just really comforting to hear that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: I mean, for me at first, thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel, I I really do understand that, right? I mean, you know, for people who are suffering and, you know, being in a relationship or even a friendship and, you know, knowing, well, these people still accept me when I can never fully provide pure, unadulterated happiness forever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean- it's a scary, it's a scary thought. And she grapples with that in peace. Um, She grapples with that, you know, can I still be, you know, loved while still having these, you know, sometimes insurmountable flaws and, um, you know, dips in my, in my personal life? Will you still be around? And I think that's a question we, you know, in different types of ways, we all kind of ask ourselves and ask the people around us. And, you know, all I hope for um, everyone I love is, you know, to know that for me, yes, of course, but I think it's still a question that we all kind of have to ask ourselves and we all will continue to ask ourselves on so many different levels. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I really love that. Um, And just looking through this track list, I'm like seeing so many great songs uh, that we haven't last touched on. Can we just like take a moment Mm -hmm. to talk about Taylor Swift's obsession with marriage and infidelity I don't Mm. know where this comes from. I'm not sure if she's watching like binge watching the affair or (gasps) what, but the, the songs are so incredibly like, it's just like a list of affairs. I mean, to put it bluntly, it's just so unbelievable. (gasps) I actually, I love this song so much. Um, The bridge in this song is one of my favorites on the record. Mm. Uh, You know, like you showed me colors, you know, I can't see with anyone else. Like, you know, put a knife through my heart. Um, But what is it about her obsession with marriage? Do either of you have a take on this? I'm baffled.
1: Oh, man. I think, I mean, I feel like she said she's been reading a lot of, like, older, like, very grandiose novels and watching a lot of, like, older spectacle kind of movies to get inspiration. And I think marriage comes up a lot in those. But I also think you know, perhaps it's something that she's thinking about. I was like, is she dropping hints when this album came out? I was like, are they, are they married? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. She's as as unique and um, one of a kind as she is. There's also something traditional about her and in, in the love that she has always kind of been writing about and seemingly striving for. So I think it's just sort of that, like, that's that storybook ending kind of vibe but the the affairs I was like girl have you gone through this before like what's (laughs) going on with August I kind of I feel like you could you could understand that even if you weren't you know the other woman or whatever because or the other person because everyone's kind of been let on or you know you were never really mine or maybe I created this in my head but with illicit affairs I was like this is these are scenes this has happened to someone so right. what, what is the truth yeah I mean it's very you
0: know she's leaving his or he's leaving her house or they're making <laughs> sure that they don't have they're not too flushed when they leave the door and like I mean that was very descriptive I'm like I don't know where, I mean, she. I, I, I know she did say on Long Ponds that she's just been watching so much like television and reading so many books that I guess it is pretty easy to th- pull from those themes. But um, as we transition into Evermore, I mean, it just becomes more apparent of these like you know <laughs> rich marriage uh, infidelity schemes that she's pulling. I mean, Illicit oh. Affairs, because August, right? I mean, I guess August is related to Betty, but Illicit Affairs is kind of one of those, um, you know, outliers on – Uh, folklore for me, um, love it just the same. But definitely one of those stories where I'm like, there has to be more to this, but Mm -hmm. who knows? Um and then the other song I'm noticing we haven't talked about yet either that I wanted to mention was um (sighs) Mad Woman. Um and to me, Mad Woman is so clearly about her feud with uh Scooter Braun and her own label. Um did you guys get that as well? Like still did you kind
2: of feel that theme? I did. I I also think like a lot of the songs that she's been releasing, and obviously we'll talk more in depth when we get to Evermore, but like songs like Tolerate It and just like and Mad Woman and Illicit Affairs almost have like a, a doll's house vibe to it. Yeah. <laughs> like she's really entering the the shoes of and trying to tell stories of like women in a patriarchal Society, kind of in like a more historic sense of like mm. maybe more like 1950s, 1960s, and and I guess maybe that is from like her watching all these historic films and novels and stuff. But surprisingly, Mad Woman was actually like one of the songs, actually the only song in the album that I like wasn't too crazy about. Me like, too. I still I still love all of them, but like I I just never got into it. I don't I don't really know why.
0: Yeah, I was I was thinking about that as well because Madwoman is one kind of like you said. So if I had to pick a song, it would be that to skip. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but I think it has something to do with how the rest of the record is more so in the realm of like sadness and angst, whereas Madwoman is much more of uh, anger and resentment. Um, the cool thing about this song though is it does seem to hold themes that you see throughout Evermore, maybe more than any other song on Folklore. Um, themes of like spite and resentment towards someone or many people who have wronged uh, Taylor throughout her career. And I think Evermore talks a lot about that. And that's why I'm so excited that next episode, we will be having both Sophie and Sil back to talk about Evermore and the way it fits into folklore's world. We'll get the nuances of the record and dive deep into the storylines. But again, thank you so much for being here, you guys. I had so much fun And thank you to the listeners as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, And we'll see you right back here next week. Stay safe and much love.